Thanks for listening to Lighthouse 805 Podcast. This morning we have a very special guest, Pastor Jake Davis, talking about Jesus and nothing else. Enjoy. Your first time at Lighthouse. Welcome. As Nikia said, I'm not Pastor Matt. Uh, luckily for you guys. Uh, in the good sense that it's better to have Pastor Matt here. Um, but I have known Matt uh, and Patty for about 15 years. Um, Matt and I were roommates in college. So if you can imagine Matt <laughs> in college, uh, there were probably a few times I talked him out of getting into trouble. And there might have been a couple times I egged him on into getting into trouble. Um, uh, but one of my favorite stories about Matt and Patty uh, as they were becoming, as they started their relationship together is their first date together. Matt was so nervous and he was so anxious, he had no idea what to wear. Um, and so I helped him. We looked at his closet and I helped him pick out his outfit for his first date with Patty. And uh, uh, I think he even, he, I think he, he wore like a t-shirt and a sport jacket. And I think he, it might have been my sport jacket that he borrowed. I don't know, but it was, we were sharing t-shirts and stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, I just love that story that I, I got him dressed for his first date with Patty. Um, and ever since, it's been great. Uh, this morning, I want to I share with you out of the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Galatians uh, chapter 1. Uh, if not, no problem. I'll have the passages up here. Uh, this, Galatians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible or unfamiliar with this particular book, the Apostle Paul wrote Galatians, and it's a letter to a very young church in the, in the, in the area of Galatia, which is uh, minor, Asia Minor modern-day Turkey. Um, and in this book, he, he's tackling one specific notion, um, and it's this whole idea that, that salvation and the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, is just Jesus. That it's Jesus plus nothing is what brings salvation. It's Jesus plus nothing that brings freedom. And the whole book of Galatians centers around this, this key point where it's not Jesus and dressing the right way. It's not Jesus and doing this. It's not Jesus and not doing this. It's, it's just Jesus. Uh, and, I, and I love the book of Galatians for that very key purpose. I mean, because it, it serves as a great reminder to me as, as a pastor and as a follower of Christ that sometimes I can get too caught up in external things and lose focus on what the gospel is really about, what, what the good news of Jesus is really about. And so this book always serves as a great uh, metric. It's a great checkpoint for me as a follower of Jesus because it's like, okay, am I making the gospel about something other than who Jesus is? And if the answer is yes, i got to stop doing that and get back to what it's supposed to be. Uh, and to give you a little bit of context of, of where we're going to be at, I'm going to start in verse 11 and uh, what's going on is Paul's addressing a couple rumors that people, people have been saying about him. Uh, they're saying that he's copy, like he's copywritten the, the, the gospel, that he's just borrowed from other people here and borrowed from other people here and borrowed from other, other people here and just created almost his own gospel. Uh, that he's just pulling from other people and that this isn't something that's genuine to him or genuine to actual the, the young church. And so he's addressing this, this idea and starting in, in uh, verse 11, you know, he's not super happy right now. And he, he addresses this notion that he isn't just a people pleaser, that, that, he, 
that he's not just plagiarizing bits and pieces, um, but that he received this straight from the source. So picking up in verse 11, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it from, by revelation from Christ Jesus. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was, was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So, okay. so here's number one. Jesus plus nothing produces transformation. And I go, Paul doesn't dance around the rumor. He says the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I didn't receive it from somebody. Rather, I received it from Jesus Christ himself. He's, he's saying, listen, I got this straight from the source. I didn't plagiarize it from anybody else. I, I, got, it, I got it straight from the source. And the word revelation that he uses in this passage, in the Greek, it's in the, what's called the objective form. Uh, and this is huge because what it, what it means is that Jesus didn't reveal the gospel to him. The revelation wasn't given to Paul by Jesus. The revelation was Jesus. And there's a big difference so, so the revelation that Paul talks about, he's like, the gospel I received, the revelation I received that came from Jesus was Jesus. That was the revelation. That was the gospel I received. It wasn't a list of do's and don'ts. It wasn't on golden tablets or even stone tablets. It was a person. It was just Jesus. Jesus and nothing else. And it's that encounter that leads Paul to an incredible transformation in his life. In verse 13 and 14, he, he talks about how he was uh, a, a zealous Jew and that he was bent on destroying the church. If you're unfamiliar with, with Paul's story, he goes into it briefly here. But, but to give you the Cliff Notes version, he was, he was incredibly zealous as a Jew, very well educated. He, was, he calls himself later on in, in the New Testament a Jew of a Jew. Like even for his, for his own age and even for his mentors and the people older than him who have been studying the Jewish law for some time, he was surpassing them. So if somebody knew the Jewish law, if somebody could uphold the Jewish law, it was Paul. And he hated the young church. Hated it. He was all about going around, finding who these Christians were, finding who these Jewish betrayers were, and destroying this young church. And then, he, then he's here at this point, and he's given his life to spreading the good news of Jesus. Why? How? Because he had an encounter with Jesus himself. You see, only a true encounter with Jesus could, could transform the church's number one adversary to its number one ambassador. It wasn't Jesus plus getting his life together. It wasn't Jesus plus an open calendar. Or Jesus plus being a good person. Or Jesus plus anything else. What transformed Paul was simply Jesus and encountering him. And Paul is completely changed by this encounter with Jesus. He's a new person, transformed by the grace of who Jesus is. 
he even echoes this transformation in his letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And because of Jesus, we too are free to change. We're free to be different than we used to be. We can break generational cycles in our lives and in our families, whatever the story of your family is. Maybe it's alcoholism, maybe it's abuse, maybe it's addiction, abandonment, greed. We're free to change. We're free to break those cycles because of who Jesus is. Whatever it is that lurks in the shadows of our lives, in our families, in our relationships, we're free to change that. That doesn't have to be our story. And Peter writes in his letter to the young church, he says, you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from you, handed down to you from your ancestors. You were redeemed from that. Jesus set you free from that. You don't have to be bound by those things anymore. I mean, to be honest, there's so many of us who are, our story, we, we grew up in either hard home lives or we've gone through some really hard stuff as well. And the excitement of encountering Jesus is that's not the end of our story. That's not the sum of our story. It's part of our story because it, it speaks to the transformational power that is found in the good news of who Jesus is and His willingness and His grace that extends to us unconditionally. And that's what Paul's centering on. And when we encounter Jesus, just Jesus, we're changed, we're transformed into something completely new. But not just new, it's better. Uh, how many of you have ever heard the game Bigger or Better? It's a, it's a popular youth group game. Uh, I think Matt played it when he was a youth pastor. We did it when I was a youth pastor as well. Um, and the, the premise is simple. You start with an object, something mundane like a paperclip or a thumbtack or something, and you knock on different people's doors and you say, hey, I'm playing bigger or better. Do you have something bigger or better than this thumbtack? And, that, and, you, and the game is to see what you could end, with, end up with, right? And there's a, there's a couple stories out there of, of a, like, there's one of a 17-year-old who swapped an old broken phone and he did bigger or better all the way up to a Porsche, I don't know how you get from A to A. I don't know how you get there, but he did it. He started with an old phone, and just through the process, using Craigslist and bigger and better, he got himself into a Porsche. Uh, and there's another story of a guy who started with a red paperclip, one red paperclip, and he traded it, bigger or better, all the way up to a house. Like, I just want to know what, he, what somebody traded him for the house. Like, well, oh, hey, listen, I don't have anything better than that, but my house is bigger than that. Here, here's my house. Like, I'm just wondering what that process was. I know at one point he had a moped, and then he traded it up to a motorcycle and a used car, and it just kind of kept going and kept going. But he traded a red paper clip for a house. That's kind of like what Jesus does with our lives. We give him something that's worthless. And he gives us a refuge and a home. We give him our broken lives. And he gives us something new. Bigger, newer, better. 
like swapping a Ford Pinto for a teleporter kind of thing. That's, that's what we're talking about. And, these, and these, these stories of bigger and better, they're incredible stories, but the story of what Jesus can do in our lives is a better story. It's a more powerful story. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. This is still Paul talking. He says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see the other, those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia later. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, uh, that's Peter, the Apostle Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. You know, Jesus plus nothing produces transformation, but Jesus plus nothing also prompts our testimony. You know, freedom doesn't come by formula. Though admittedly, we'd probably prefer it to be. We would perhaps prefer a medically prescribed drug that would free us from the anxieties of our age. We would perhaps prefer a psychological incantation that would release us from the accumulated guilt of our past. Sometimes we even treat Sunday mornings in church like this. We show up, we get our weekly dose of Jesus talk, and then we head back to our, to our lives completely unchanged, but feeling a little bit better about ourselves. But that's not how freedom works. At least not true freedom. Not the freedom that brings transformation and breaks, tra- and breaks chains. It's a story. And it's a story that's worked out within all the, complexity, uh, within all the complexities and all the ambiguities of ourself and of history. And Paul doesn't give a formula for his transma- transformation for this gospel of freedom. He doesn't give a formula. He tells a story. He tells his story. He gives his testimony. Uh, The Japanese have a practice called the kintsukori, and it means to repair with gold. And the whole idea is that they take broken pottery and they fill the cracks and the gaps with gold. And this not only highlights the the breaks and the fragments, but it also gives more value to the piece for being broken. And the the understanding behind this practice is that the piece is all the more beautiful for having been broken. The brokenness and the repair is now part of the bull's story. And the value of the bull is richer for it. It's the same with your story. It's the same with your brokenness and the transformation found in Jesus. You know, oftentimes we as people, we hide our brokenness because of the shame or guilt we feel as a result of it. Because of inadequacies that we feel. We hide our brokenness. Oh, I can't, I just, I feel too vulnerable at this point. I just can't. I just can't. I'm too broken. I, I have so much I have to deal with over here and so much to deal with over here. But your brokenness is a part of your story 
that can highlight the grace and power of who Jesus is. The brokenness isn't something to be ashamed of. You can highlight it and point people to Jesus and say, this is what my life looked like before. And now this is what my life looks like now. And not that that brokenness ever truly goes away, but we learn to walk in his grace and his mercy. We learn that that brokenness doesn't identify us anymore, though it's part of our story. We share our testimony with others. You see, your story is a part of God's story. You're not a last-minute intrusion on God's attention. We're not something incidental to God's plan. We're not something that just happened along the course of certain biological going-ons of the human race. We are, each of us, set apart. As Eugene Peterson says, we are pre-loved by God. I love that, pre-loved. We, you and me, are not resented accidents in God's beautifully arranged creation, but planned children. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now the obvious context in that, in that passage is that God is talking to Jeremiah and his calling to be a prophet, but it's no less true for each of us in here. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. And He had a plan for you. He had a purpose for you. He has a story for you to tell. And that story is a part of His story. The good news that Jesus plus nothing brings freedom. Which in all honesty, it's the best story. It's a story we can experience and we can share together because we all have those different encounters and we're all in different steps in that journey in that story that's what discipleship is discipleship isn't you know we're all called as a followers of jesus to make disciples of all nations and most people get hung up on i don't know how to make a disciple i don't know how to do that well you have a story to share share it that's making disciples because it's just one person who's a step over here bringing somebody who's a step over there and bringing them along with them. That's discipleship. Helping people take their next steps. You taking your next step. Working out your story. Helping them work out their story. That's discipleship. Let's continue. Starting in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. And then jump down to verse 6, the latter part of verse 6. He says, They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Jesus plus nothing promotes unity. After 14 years, Paul finally connects with the other apostles and shares with them the gospel that he's been preaching to the non-Jewish people. Why? 
simply to make sure that they line up with each other. I mean, if he's been preaching for 14 years about the gospel of Jesus without talking to them, it's probably a good idea for them to eventually meet up to make sure that they're giving the same message. Oh, okay, this is what I'm saying, this is what you're saying. And he's making sure that, hey, this is what I'm preaching. Let's make sure that they line up with each other to make sure it's the same gospel and not some convoluted mess of a religion. Because if the nature of the gospel being communicated really is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, then there isn't anything to disagree upon because it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters about 1942, and it's a, it's a fantastic book. It's a, it's a really unique book. Uh, if you've not read it, it, it's a series, the book takes form in a series of letters uh, written by a demon uh, who is like this expert tempter of a demon, and he's writing these letters to his nephew, Wormwood, who is like a junior tempter. He's like, he's like fresh up the ranks, and he's new to this whole tempting people kind of things, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting read because it's from the perspective of a demon trying to help another demon lead somebody astray. And, he, and, they, and they, they call the subject the patient. And uh, in one of his letters, Screwtape uh, introduces, introduces this notion of Christianity and. And this is what he says to, this is what Screwtape says to his nephew Wormwood. And listen to this. This is really interesting. Because keep in mind, this is from the perspective of a demon. He says, the real trouble about the set your patient is living is that it is merely Christian. Okay, so the person that Wormwood is supposed to be tempting has become a Christian. They all have individual interests, of course, but the bond remains mere Christianity. What we want, if men become Christians at all, is to keep them in the state of mind I call Christianity and. You know, Christianity and the crisis, Christianity and the new psychology, Christianity and the new order, Christianity and faith healing, Christianity and psychical research, Christianity and vegetarianism, Christianity and spelling reform. If they must be Christians, let them be Christians with a difference. Substitute for the faith itself some fashion with a Christian coloring. Christianity and. Christianity and republicanism. Christianity and being a Democrat. Christianity and being a member of the NRA. Christianity and anything you want. Christianity and. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is that we get so tied up in our flavor of Christianity that it no longer looks like Christianity is supposed to look like. And we do this in a number of ways. We usually do it with our own politics. Especially identity politics. You know, how can you be a Christian and vote for Trump? How can you be a Christian and not vote for Trump? That, that's not Christianity. And it doesn't point people to Jesus. 
We do this all the time in the church. Well, I, I'm a Christian, so I, I don't listen to secular music. Well, I'm a Christian, so I engage those people in secular music. Okay, which is right. And we get so obsessed with our own flavors that we're not even communicating the gospel anymore. You see, when we make the gospel Jesus plus something, whatever that something is, we rob ourselves of its true power. You see, Jesus plus something brings division because we're all focused on the something. And if my something doesn't line up with your something, then we have a problem. But Jesus plus nothing brings unity because we're only focused on Him. And let me say this. There is no room, there is no room for racism, nationalism, or sexism in the Gospel of Jesus. If we are made equally acceptable to God through Jesus, then as Christians, we must be equally acceptable to one another regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of gender, or any other ism, an external qualifier we tend to put on other people, including politics. The moment we elevate one type over another is the moment we stop pointing people to Jesus and start pointing people to ourselves, mainly in giving our own individual preferences too much weight and endowed with moral significance what is only cultural. We move away from the good news of Jesus and into the hypocrisy of merit. You ha we have to understand that the gospel that we are called to share, that if you, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, and I, I want to separate that for a moment from, from the word Christian because I could ask 10 different people what the word Christian means and I'm going to get 10 different answers. But as a follower of Jesus, we have to make sure our lives point to Jesus. We can have our preferences. You can have your flavors. It's okay we're unique and we're different. We're all from different backgrounds. It's natural to have all different perspectives. The problem is when we elevate those perspectives as equal or superior to the Word. See, Jesus is what brings unity to the church. Not all looking the same. Not all being from the same place. Not all having the same politics. Jesus is what brings us together. It's Him. And it's only Him. And it's not Jesus plus something that's going to that's transform somebody's life. It's not Jesus plus listening to the right music or Jesus plus wearing the right things or Jesus plus believing the right thing or Jesus endorsing the right politician or Jesus, doing, or Jesus plus anything else that's going to break chains, set people free, and bring transformation. It's simply Jesus. And that's the whole premise of what, what Paul is setting up in Galatians. If you haven't read the book of Galatians 4, 
read it. It's an incredible book, and the whole book wraps around this idea of it's just Jesus. I feel like Paul is like, by the end of the book, he's just shouting, Jesus, that's it, guys. That's all you got to worry about. Are you focusing on Jesus? Yes. Great. Are you pointing people to Jesus? Yes. Great. Are you flavoring it? Yes. No. Stop it. You know, that's, that's what the whole book of Galatians is about. But I wanted to encourage you this morning that, one, you can be transformed by who Jesus is. And that you have a story to share because of who Jesus is. And that you're not alone in that story because of who Jesus calls us to be. Jesus plus nothing produces transformation, prompts testimony, and promotes unity. So I have three questions for you that I want you to think about. First one is, how have you been changed by Jesus? Maybe, maybe you're not familiar. Maybe this is the first time. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a follower yet, and that's, that's okay. This is, this is just the beginning of your story here. But how have you been changed by Jesus? Number two, what's your story that you need to share? What's your story? We all have stories that can really help other people. Maybe your story is that you, you struggled with addiction. And your walk with Jesus helped you break that chain. Who better to work with people struggling with addiction than somebody who's got a story that pulls out of it? Maybe your story is, is, is suicide or depression and anxiety. Maybe your story is about a mental health story. And you're still walking through that journey, but you have a hope and a promise found in Jesus. Who better to help others in that same situation than you? Maybe is your story is you've been burnt by the church before. You've encountered some of the, the nastiest things you've encountered have been from people who claim to follow Jesus. But you haven't given up on the church yet because you know who Jesus is. Who better to reach out to other people like that to help them process forgiveness and move past that and focus on what matters? Our stories are so important to share with others. Who can you encourage? Third question, who can you encourage on a regular basis? The gospel was never meant to work in a vacuum. That's why Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. Because if, if the gospel doesn't work in relationship, it doesn't work. So who can you encourage? Who in your life can you come alongside of? You don't have to do anything planned or, or structured, but who can you just encourage? Hey, I'm praying for you guys. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I thought about you today. How you doing? I'll be honest, this church encouraged my wife and I about, about eight months ago during the Woolsey Fire, eight, nine months ago during the Woolsey Fire. We had to evacuate from Agora, and we were, we were living with Matt and Patty for about a week. And we, we came here, and you guys prayed for us. You guys cared for us. And that was a great encouragement to us. 
So don't even underestimate small things like that. Because we, we just evacuated our home. At the time, I think we had thought it had, it had been burnt down. We had lost our home. Um, which was, an, it, that in itself is an incredible story. Um, and so we, we weren't quite sure what we were going to go back to when we went back to Agora. Um, but you guys prayed for us. And you guys were there for us as a church. And that was a great encouragement to us. So who can you encourage? Who can you be? Who can you encourage? I remember I, I saw a quote and I've heard it multiple times. And it and I might butcher it, so I apologize because it just came to me. But it, the quote is, "Be the person you wished you had in your life. Be the person you wished you had in your life. Maybe you didn't have a father figure. As a guy, maybe you didn't have a father figure, a loving father figure." Be that to somebody else, whether you're a kid or not. You know, maybe you had a strained relationship with your siblings or something like that. Whatever it was, maybe people were unkind to you and all you wanted was a friend that would check up on you. Be that person. Who can you encourage? The world needs Jesus. It doesn't need more politics doesn't need more blogs or fads or litigation. It doesn't need revolution. It needs Jesus. Jesus and nothing else. It needs the good news that our brokenness isn't where our story ends. It needs the good news that no matter what our lives have been yesterday or the years prior, that doesn't have to define our lives tomorrow or even today. It needs the good news that there is an, an eternal authority out there who loves us unconditionally. We have a story to tell, and the world needs to hear it. And that's why I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. Share your story. Encourage others. And focus on Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for who you are. Lord, thank you for this, this church, for Matt and Patty. Lord, keep them safe as they're on this well-deserved trip. Lord, thank you for everybody in here. And Lord, I pray your blessing over them encourage them, strengthen them. Lord, as they step out in faith and, and, and sharing their story, give them the words to say. Jesus, you, you said to the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say when you, if you're brought before authorities. My spirit will, will tell you. And Lord, we, we can walk in that faith and that assurance that as we step out in faith and, and sharing your love to the people around us and sharing what you've done in our lives as a story with others, that you will give us the words to do so. And Lord, I pray that everybody in, in here would encounter you in a fresh and maybe even a new way. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time. Lord, that they would open up their hearts to you, that you would speak to them, and that they would focus on you. Lord, forgive us for those times that we flavor your gospel with our personal preferences. Forgive us of those times when we, when we make our, our faith in you 
a religion of ourselves. Lord, may we focus on You and only on You, on Your Word, on Your power, on Your love. And give You thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're so glad you listened to us today. If you'd like other episodes, opportunities to give, or an additional information about Lighthouse 805, visit us at www.lighthouse805.com.